Welcome to Eastgate Church. I trust you'll find this message inspiring and encouraging for you today. You know, this morning, it was the theme was on broken relationships, and I had so much more to say on that, and it's still kind of sitting in my heart just now. You know, relationships are just so important, but yet they're so fragile in one sense as well, and we can easily, they can easily, we can lose relationships or they can be broken, or we can be living in a relationship, but actually it, we're not living in the fullness of that relationship. And I, I shared that just a little bit, and I used the two logs, but I'm not going to lift them up there, but I kept them, and I've used them twice now, and we used them for the third time this morning. And, and it's a powerful illustration of just that, that union that we, that we should be in, and that's probably, you know, that union first and foremost is with the Lord. It's the greatest union we could ever have because he is a creator, and we've been, we were created in the image of our creator to have fellowship with our creator. And I shared in Genesis this morning how that was broken, how the enemy came in, deceived us, and deliberately broke that. He's a thief. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. And he came to break that relationship and to just take us away from God and basically he burst into the scene and filled us with all the wrong um, ideas. But he deceived us thinking they gave us were independence and that's the biggest problem is independence, isn't it? You know, that's my way or it's the highway and everybody's got their own, you know, it's, we, we hate to budge. And um, so anyway, so obviously we did my daughter's wedding and then we went back to Inverary. We were comforting ourselves with just a little trip back up there for we honeymooned in Inverary. I keep saying an old terrible caravan, and I can't underestimate how terrible that caravan was. We were sold, we were deceived, weren't we? Somebody said, oh, we've got a caravan up there, you just can have your honeymoon. Well, it was just, it was a shell. But anyway, glory to God, it didn't diminish our love, did it, my, my lovely wife? So anyway, we, we went up there for a couple of days, and uh, we went back to the scene where we got the two logs from, and hadn't been there for about 10 and a half years, probably just under 11 and, uh, and I was a wee bit vague, where was this place? Because I had in my mind it was beside a river. And, and it wasn't, it was beside Loch. Uh, five. Five. I, just, I was, uh, Loch Fine. Like, I always seem to forget that. I was going to say Loch Awe again there. Anyway, it was the awe of the moment, Linda. That's probably why. And, um, but we, even when we got there, I knew it was up at the caravan site. And then as I started to walk, I thought, it's is it this? Because it's, it's amazing how long ago it is and you're still walking up. Now. It seemed familiar, but I was still a little bit, because I was having a picture, there was a river and it's a lock that's next to me. And I'm thinking, this can't be the place, but I thought, but it's, I, I kept remembering me places. That was the rock we sat on that I'm asked you to sit here. I went, Linda, mark this place just now. And, and then we kept walking up and, and then I'm, I'm still doubting, is it, is it, is it not? And then when I seen all the pebbles on the shore, and then it came back to me, flooded back to me. That's the place. And so we went to the place and we just stood there again. And, uh, and um, we stood there and just reflected. I was so glad that I found it. So glad that I found it because I thought I'd lost it. So maybe, we, I said to Linda, maybe we're meant never to find it. Maybe it was just a moment in time. Maybe it's a song for something like that, isn't it? And it was just one of those moments, but yet that was it. It was never to be revisited, you know, one of those special moments. that It was sealed in time. But we found it anyway, and just uh, we stood there. In fact, Katie and Craig were with us as well, actually. It's Katie. <laughs> His second name's Craig, by the way. <laughs> I know, Katie and Scott. Uh, Katie, that's her, that's her second name now, isn't it, Katie Craig? And um, 
And so we went up there with them as well and just kind of shared the moment the following day as well and took them up there as well. And I, I really shared with them a little bit as well. In fact, I had words with Scott um, later on before they were leaving us and moving on. Or we were actually the ones that were moving on. They weren't meant to move on, but they camped there. And, um, and I said, Scott, see if you're ever going to give your heart to the Lord. See that place I just took you to? I said, that would be a brilliant place to do it because it was a special place. You know, I shared the story with them really and got there. And um, that would be a great place to make a commitment to the Lord. I don't think they did, but if they have, they never spoke to us about it. But, you know, I sowed the seeds and, um, and I'm hoping that they will take those words and they will revisit it. But again, it's relationships, isn't it? And um, see, unless you work in relationships, it's so easy um, that we, we can lose that relationship. Amen. And, um, and, and, I've, and I've shared, I don't want to say too much, but I mean, Linda knows the good times and the bad times. And we know times when we were like ships in the night and um, we weren't as close as what we should be. Yet we were husband and wife. And over a long period of time, you can lose the spark and you can, you can lose that, that, you know, that just that sense of togetherness. And that just comes with the turf. But what it means, as I'm trying to say, is tonight, broken relationships, we need to actually work hard at them. And I think I'm doing okay these days, aren't I, Linda? I wouldn't be an easy man to live with. I'm pretty difficult, I'm sure. But I'm working a little bit overtime, and, and I think you know, we're, we're, we're capturing something again. But what I'm trying to say is you need to find that place. You need to deliberately go and look for it. You need to remember that place, and you need to actually find it and actually travail that road. Because that's the best place to be is when we're in good relationship with one another. When we're in good relationship, not just my wife, but with my children, with my family. As much as we can make that happen, but also with the people around us. We need to try and work hard on relationships because relationships are very fragile and you can easily lose them. And, um, and you know, sometimes once it's gone, it can be gone and it can be, it can be irrevocably to try and redeem them. But I believe the Lord would encourage us as his people to say, you know, we need to mend those relationships. And I was bringing that out very clearly. God is very much wanting to establish his relationship. First and foremost, seeing a number of people, prodigals, and I brought that out. And I'm going to revisit that again tonight, just a little bit. But the prodigals who have walked away, but God's heart is that they'll come back to him. God's heart is yearning that relationship that he wants with us. He's desperate for that relationship to be again, to be renewed and brought together. And I used the illustration of the two sticks. But just again, just a little bit in Luke chapter 15, it says at the beginning, it says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And so, this, and so he spoke this parable to them, and we'll, we'll maybe look at just a couple of them. But again, they were annoyed that Jesus was mixing with the riffraff, with sinners, with tax collectors. They were despised people in Jesus' day. And it just, it just reminded me, like I said, on Saturday, we had an open day, and we were connected with the community next door. So this church was filled with, I don't want to say, but it could have been filled with sinners. You know, people who didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Who knows who was in here, but it was packed. And all of these people were coming and going and we were serving them. We were, you know, we were eating with them and, and you know, in fellowship. And do you know something? I thought to myself, these are lovely people. The bulk of them were anyway. In fact, I, I was highlighting a few of them. Just really, really genuine people, but yet they don't know Jesus. But yet they're far from Jesus. And maybe when they ever wanted to darken the door of a church. But it was amazing what God was doing. I just felt this kind of overwhelming, you know. I thought that was a great day yesterday. 
mixing with all of these people and just in seeing them coming into our midst and realizing, you know, they're real people who need the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what the Lord here is speaking about. Jesus welcomed sinners. He was constantly had people coming round about him. And it's easy sometimes for us to be standing back and they're over there and we're here and we do church, they don't do church and neither the two shall meet. And I believe God is just increasing that burden within me. We need to engage with them. You know, we need to go and mix with them. We need to actually reach out to them. Hence the reason I was at the two guys in here, um, David and Stephen. And by all intentive purposes, they're not the guys you would actually want to have any time to do with them. I mean, honestly, they are just two of them, totally drug addicts. When you see them walking along the road, you'll know they're coming towards you. This is how they come along the road, honestly. Midday, totally out their face uh, and Valium, you know, they've got methadone high in there and, you know, and it's everybody will avoid them like the plague. I could see people just kind of looking down their noses at them. And here I was in the square, my hands on them, praying for them. And then I opened up the door to them and brought them in and I made them tea and I had some fellowship with them. And, you know, I just really wanted to encourage them. Do you know something? I was, that's why I wanted to get that book, Reese Howells. I remember, just remembering you there. <laughs> I need to buy it, for goodness sake. My miser here or something like that, borrowing a book. You can what do you mean? All right, okay. Just lost the track there. Yep, yeah, Reese Hills. I remember Reese Hills when he was first interceding. Uh, he, he interceded for this notorious drunk in the village. He was known as to be a, a total drunk, and God had put a burden on his heart for this man. And he, and, and he entered into a place of interceding for this man, interceding for him, interceding for him. And there came to a time when this man's life was totally transformed. And he became the talk of the town. All of a sudden, the man's life was totally changed, came to know the Lord, and it brought a great sense of revival, a mini revival to that area because this man's life was changed. You know, the greatest miracle I'll ever see, thank God for healings, guys. I'm all for healings. I'm all for that. But you know, the greatest miracle is a changed life. And we know that with the man, you know, the demonic man who was, you know, was known as an absolute, I mean, if you think you've met a lunatic, I, do, I wouldn't have liked to meet this man, a legion of demons. I don't know what that would look like, but he was, he was absolutely beyond it. He had to live out in the, the tombs, running around naked, screaming, busting out of chains. You wouldn't want to meet this man in a dark night, never mind any night. But when he was totally changed, guess what? It totally, everybody, when everybody's seen it, it caused a revival. Could people say, what on earth has happened to him? And the man gave testimony. I've met Jesus. I was set free. Hallelujah. And I'm going to set my sights on these two guys. These two guys. And I'm going to really start to really pray. That's why I wanted to read the book and build up my faith. And just target these two guys. And, um, and just to see their lives changed. But I think it's something that we should all do. So Jesus used to mix with these people and people that, that the Pharisees and that religious spirit looked down their nose and says, for goodness sake, what are you doing with these guys? Amen. What are you even mixing with them for? And it's like, but Jesus was, had a heart for the people. He seemed beyond their state. And when I sat and looked at these two guys and actually listened to the stories, one of them was a Ferguson Park guy, Matthew, as well. And his mother was a notorious drunkard and, you know, whatever. And he was born in that environment. But see, when I started to listen to him, my heart was melting listening to him. I just thought, he's just a poor soul. Just got off to a bad start in life, and I'm not going to say anything other than that, but it's just the trajectory of his life has just went one way, where he's turned to his head on and all the different things. It just escalated. And there he is in his early 40s. His sister's going to get married soon, and he was going to go and get a kilt fitted out on the Saturday for the wedding. His sister is meant to be a beautiful lassie, teetotal. It's amazing how it's chalking Jesus, and it's amazing how it's light and darkness. One is you know, led a really good life and he got caught on the wrong side. 
And obviously she's the young sister, but she still loves the big brother. And she wants him to be at the wedding, but she wants him to be at the wedding sober. <laughs> what you don't need is a, you know, you know, somebody in a kilt staggering all over the place and making a fool of himself and making a, a fool of her day. And um, so really need to pray for that there as well. And I could feel her heart. But when I just sat there and listened to this man's heart, you know, it touched me. And that's why just even this, going over this, the prodigal, reaching out to the prodigals, it's actually speaking to me first, meaning I need to be much more to be revisiting people that I know that's maybe been off the rails and just saying, well, that's it, that's the decision I've made and start to maybe start to reach out to them again. Scotty Blaine was one of them. Scotty, we met him in the town, remember? He came up to us and it was Arthur and uh, came along for a couple of weeks and then uh, he, he was obviously getting caught back up in drugs, which was very unfortunate because he got himself cleaned up and now he's gone. And, um, and I was sitting there at the funeral service um, with Liz, a few others, and there he is, you know, 57, he's gone. His life is gone. And I thought to myself, could I have done more? Should I have went and tried to look him up? And um, who knows? It's, um, but it just quickened within us that the, day, the days are short. But when we read here, we read on. So it's off the back of that, the Pharisees pointing the finger at Jesus and saying, what is he doing with all these sinners, tax collectors, drunkards, and, you know, and, and, and just looking down their nose? Trouble is, is religion, sometimes we do that, don't we? We kind of judge people. We look at people and think, look at that scum riffraff. Or, you know, and you know, it's a wee bit like the, 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 the Pharisee looking down his nose at a tax collector and says, oh, this man, Lord, I thank you. I'm not like that. This character, you know, uh, you know I thank you. I'm, I'm in the right relationship with you. And thank God that we are in the right relationship with the Lord. Or hopefully we are. You know, but sometimes we need to be careful. We don't start looking down on people that are not in that relationship and we can start to just kind of look down on them rather than actually feeling the heart of God for them and begin to reach out to them with the love of God. But Jesus tells the story. As we know the story, we won't, I'll just paraphrase it, the lost sheep. And it says, you know, but he, he, he leaves the 99 and he gafters the lost sheep. He leaves the 99, the safe ones, and he goes and he finds him who is lost. And when he finds it, he comes back and he's rejoicing. And everybody's rejoicing with him. And it says, even the angels in heaven are rejoicing over one sinner that gets saved. I'm trying to get my mind around that. How precious is it for one person gets saved that there's rejoicing in the heavenlies? Glory to God. It just shows you the value of a soul and, the, and how God values a soul. A lost sheep that gets saved and starts to rejoice. Or we know there as well that it says, the woman who had ten coins and she lost one and it and she was determined she was going to find that lost, lost coin. Amen. And it says she turned the place upside down till she found it. Do you know something? Maybe that could be lightened to some of us. You know, you ever lost your first love? Very easy to lose your first love. It's very easy just to allow things to come about. And I'm not as fiery as I was in the Lord. I'm not in the place where I once was. And I've lost that. And then you just, but you just say, oh, well. It's like, and you, and you don't really seek it. I believe that's what the Lord is saying there. It says she turned the place upside down looking for that. She knew she had lost something. You know, you don't need to tell somebody that's not in a right relationship with the Lord. But can I tell you this and encourage you here from the scriptures? It says this, she was determined to find it. And guess what? She found it. You know, see, when we set out our task to say, Lord, I'm going to get right with you. Linda, be, Linda many times have I said that with you over the years? You know, just knowing as it says, Linda, I think I'm, I'm going to get into a place of really seeking God. I'm going, to, I'm going to get that first love. I'm going to get that spark back again. Or else sometimes we just go through the motions. We turn up at church, we sing our songs, we praise the Lord, we hear the word, we have a wee cup of tea, we fit, and, and, then, and then we disappear to our respective homes and then we come back again. 
Do you know, sometimes you can just, that's an emotion thing, isn't it? We just go through the motions and we're missing the most important thing. Hallelujah. When you're deeply in love with the Lord. And I know we can do all these things as well, but you know when the heart's there and you just know that, you know, you, you've got that place there with the Lord. And I believe the Lord is encouraging that with these days, especially these days. Then we go back to revisit the prodigal son. And he's speaking to them who are now looking at others and who do they think they are and think they're far better than them. And then he tells the story about the two sons. And we know the story about the son that went off the rails. So he became discouraged. He was probably sitting in the pews and um, he'd get, he get bored, he'd get fed up. And I used the illustration of my sons and I could say my daughters as well, who have turned away because the world sparkles, they were enticed by it, they get fed up, going through the motions, it was dull, it was boring, whatever it is, you need to ask them and their thoughts on that. They ran with the boys in the street. Then they get a bit older, and then it's going to the pub, it's a club, and you know, and then it's football, and then it's the pleasures of life, and TV, and all of these things, games. And things can easily just come in, and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you can lose that sense and dynamic of being in the presence of God and just worshiping God freely. You ever get those moments when you feel close to God and you're in a place of worship and you can just, you just, just, you just know, you feel as if you're not quite in heaven, but you know, you're up there anyway. You know? you're, and you, you just, your heart has just been so warmed. Hallelujah. And sometimes I get jealous for that and I just think, I need, I need to get that back again, you know. I don't want to just be singing for singing's sake. There's a place of just singing for singing's place and there's a place when you know you're worshiping the Lord. Hallelujah. When you're caught up in the worship and the adoration of the living God. So obviously there was a problem with the younger son. He was sitting there for some time. He was discontented. He was being enticed by the world. He was being seduced by the world. He was looking at the world. He was, he was fed up with the restraints. Do you know, there was somebody, and I won't mention her name, but some of us in here know her name. I remember once, and, and um, I remember once I bumped into her. She went off the rails. And I remember I bumped into her. And I remember she said to me, she was, she was annoyed with Ben Pitou. And Brenda, remember those days, guys? And it was like, I never got a life. I never had a life. It was like, I had to be at church Friday night, Saturday night. We were. <laughs> we, were we were a solid bunch, you know. And then prayer meetings through the week, prayer meetings through in the morning. It literally was. It was like, you just lived and breathed. Church, Sunday afternoon, and then you'd crash out in somebody's house on Sunday night. It was like, wasn't it? It was just like, but there were glorious times, actually, and amongst it all, there were glorious times. We kind of lost our glue a little bit later on, but during those times it was. I remember one time and she says, and I knew she was free now and she was, she was doing all of these things and she was a feel of a resentment of, I missed out. I missed out in my, my youth. I missed out in the good things and it was always just, I was trapped in church and now they're out there. Do you know something? I would like to go and visit them and ask them just now how they feel just now that they're out of that. You know, sometimes you think, oh, life is better over there until we actually get over there. So we know this, that the, the young son then was going through problems and then he took off. He took, his, he took his lot. We know he went into a far land and we know he just kicked up his heels. Hallelujah. He just, he went, he went for it. It reminds me, and I don't mind mentioning his name, is Ian Hawker. And um, some of you know Ian Hawker. And um, Ian, Ian actually came in here. Matthew remembers that well. Ian went right off the rails, but Ian was a good joiner and he came in here. In fact, a lot of that woodwork there, see, it had to be, had to be carved into all the little kind of knots into the, some of that wood there. Matthew did a lot of it as well, but Ian came in first of all and he was routing that out and was doing this. And I remember me and Matthew were looking at each other and went, what's he on? Ian, Ian was a guy who was so in love with the Lord. I mean, honestly, Ian Hawker was like, 
you know, he was somebody you aspired to look to. It was Ian. And then he just lost the plot, completely and utterly lost the plot. And Ian told you this. Ian, Ian, Ian when he's on admission, says like that. He says, well, look, I've blown it. He says, I've blown it. He says, he says I, I'm going to hell. He says, but I'm going to enjoy myself. And so he ended up, his marriage and everything crashed up, left his wife and his kids, and he just went out there. And Ian, Ian loved to shock you. Ran about with all the women, in fact, turned up with them regularly, and he just went for it. He says, I'm going to enjoy myself. He goes, I was saved too early. He goes, I'm going to enjoy life. And, he, and that was how he, that's how the road he went on for years, for years. And Ian will tell you himself, because he had an encounter with me once. We were up at the Jet Garage just at Glenburn. And, um, and he will say that was one of those pivotal moments. Because Ian was one of these guys, you know how some guys like to think they're lions roaring all night and all that nonsense. We don't need to get into the script. Anyway, we're getting a bit older. I bumped into Ian one night up at the Jet Garage. And that was during the day. And how you doing? Da, 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 da. And I remember just saying to him, I says, Ian, do you know something? I says, I remember Ian. You, I, I wanted to be like you. Anytime I was in a room, you inspired me. And I says, you know, and I was, you were such an inspiration. I says, and listen, you think you, you, you are actually impressing me with all this mancho nonsense talk, you know, I'm the man, you know, da da da, and all these things he was doing. I says, Ian, I tell you this, we're getting older. And see all that drive that you think you've got, it's waning. It's waning, and it's going to increase. It's going to wane, 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 wane. And see all these things you're giving your life to. I says, eventually, you're going to be too old to actually enjoy all of that. I says, Ian, ask yourself this question. See if you'd stuck in following the Lord. See if you'd have really stuck in and really served the Lord. Where would you be today? And it was this starkness of reality. He just looked at me like that. And it was one of those moments, you know, that he realized where would he have been if he'd have kept on that trajectory of seeking God and pushing into God? I want to tell you this, God would have used him powerfully because he was using him powerfully back then. And it was, it was one of those moments in the way and later on he came back to the Lord. Thank God the prodigal son came home. But Ian says, you know, he says, after that really affected me. That really did. You know, you, you think the world's a good place until actually you're in there kicking your heels up and you realize actually it's a squalor. He was getting themselves into a lot of trouble. In fact, he met a woman who was a match for him and all the things that he was guilty. She was, uh, you know, she, he, anyway, God's got a way of teaching us a lesson. But it brought him to his senses, brought him back to God, and he's serving God now. So thank God for the God who is able to restore us. So we can see all of this is going on and and now the prodigal son comes home and it's the father's reaction to the prodigal son, to the younger son. The father reacts to him in what way? He, he, he rejoices, he runs to him, he kisses him. He puts on the best robe, the family robe, puts on the ring in his finger of sonship and puts sandals of peace on him. And it says, now get the fatted calf. That would be the, a special calf of, for, for a special occasion. The best occasion you could ever think of. And then he sacrifices this and they, they start eating the fatted calf. And of course, big brother's out there in the, in the fields working. Unbeknown to him, the, the, the young son's home now. And the young son is being, you know, there's big parties and full swing. And he, 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 what's going on? What's the noise? Your brother's home. Your brother's come home. <laughs> Your father's killed the fatted calf. Got a robe on him. Got a finger in his, his ring back in his finger. And his father is partying. And it says the older son now is angry, raging, absolutely raging that this should be taking place. And he refuses to come into the house, refuses to go in. And the father has to go out to him and has to speak to him. And it says, and it's, it's interesting in his language, isn't it? 
it says like this. It says, it says you've never once gave me a, a, a goat to celebrate with my friends. You've never once given me that attention. He says, and this son of yours, it's amazing, it's not, it's not my brother. It's this son of yours. And so he all of a sudden he distanced himself, who squandered your wealth and with whores and, and all of that wild living. Squandered your wealth, ruined everything. And now you treat him like this. He says, and he refused to come into the house. And his father tries to plead with him and to try and win him over. And there's a picture of that, isn't there? You know, that kind of older brother. That how he then, he just, how he just reacts to the younger brother. You know, it's very careful how I think we have to react. And, and I'm seeing that within myself as well, to people that's maybe turned away. In fact, I'm getting a little bit of burden for maybe some people that's left this church and they're, and they're not going to another church. I just know they're living out there in the sticks um, and, and they're distant. And I'm maybe just going to burden. Maybe I need to go and visit them. Maybe I need to turn up at their door. Wouldn't it have been great if the older brother had said to his father, Father, give me a bit of time off. I'm going to, go and, I'm going to try and go and find my younger brother. Father, just, Father, is it okay if I go and try and find my other brothers, my younger brother, and see if I can win him back, rather than just nursing the grudge against him as if he's yesterday people? You know, when you, when you become angry, the Bible tells us that, be careful you, you don't become angry with something, because you know what it can lead to? Murder. We can see that. We can see that in the, a perfect example in Cain and Abel, isn't it? Jealousy. Cain and Abel, the older, the, the older brother, the father, the father honors the younger one. And he gives him no honor, the older one. And it says he becomes angry with his brother Abel. And that anger went unchecked. And guess what happened? The first murder takes place upon the earth. The first blood was shed. Innocent blood. The blood of Abel. Why? Because he hated his brother because he was a favored one. Because God showed favor to Abel and did not share favor with him. He became murderous, didn't he, in his heart? In fact, just the scripture that's coming to me there is in Matthew, isn't it? It's, in the, it's part of the Beatitudes when Jesus says that. Let's just go back to that just a little bit there in chapter 5. Murder begins in the heart is the title here in Matthew 5 and verse 21. It says, you heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders in danger of judgment, but I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of the fires of hell. Therefore, if you're bringing a gift to the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way and try and be reconciled to your brother. Then come back and offer your gift. Now, there's something there about trying to renew relationships, broken relationships. You know, I've got a brother, Billy, and um, I was, we're, we're, I mean, we're, we're distant now. We hardly ever see Billy until I got a wee phone message with him not so long ago there with a cousin coming over from Canada. And it was just very bleak. Uh, young Mo is, is, over, is over for a break. He's coming to the, uh, the, the Wellington bar three o'clock on Monday. <laughs> so it's one of those ones. So that was just Billy. And I remember we walked, I walked into the bar anyway just to see Mo and then just see Billy again. And it was that kind of strainness there between my brother and, um, you know, something. I just kind of looked at him. It's my brother. And I've not seen him since, you know what I mean? But it's like, but we're distant. We're distant. Maybe I'm speaking to myself here. I think maybe I'm going to turn up to the Wellington Bar unexpectedly and maybe just meet with my brother again and just to, and just to see what can take place, you know. Maybe I'm speaking to myself here, to, you know, my brother and me, are, we're distant, you know, we're distant. Billy never came into church, never done church, although he knows what I'm doing. Maybe I'm being confronted and I need to go and just try and bring a bit of peace with me 
and Billy Boy, my big brother. And um, anyway, it says, try and make your peace with your brother or else what you're in danger in. Cain slew Abel. We can finish with another story that's coming to me as well as we know that the Esau and his brother Jacob. And we can know how rivalry came in the broken relationship. We know that Jacob got the blessing of his father and it says Esau hated him for that fact. In fact, he was so hated him so much he was hell bent on killing him. I mean, the Bible tells us this. It says, and you know, he says he got wind. It says, as soon as the days of my father, when my father dies, I'm going to murder him because he hated him so much. And a mother being a good mother, get wind of that, and she got sent word to Jacob and says, Jacob, probably best if you leave the country uh, because you know because your big brother is determined that he's going to kill you because he's filled with anger. You know, anger is a terrible thing. And if you don't deal with what anger I want you to tell us, it's going to get us into trouble. And that can be found that in many different places. So the Bible says there, it says, so Jacob had to go away for a period of time. But when Jacob went away, God did a work in Jacob. Even though he had the blessing of God upon his life, but God still had a work to do in him. So Jacob had to go away for a period of time. I don't know if it was short or 20 years, around about that period of time. Somebody might correct me. Um, we know he was certainly away for 14 years, but I think it was a, probably a total of maybe, I don't know, but 20 odd years anyway. He was away from his household and then God brought him back again. Do you know, I was thinking that with the prodigal son. You know, sometimes we have to go away for God to do our work. And I'm not justifying that, but sometimes, sometimes, sometimes we have to go away for God to do our work in us to be able to bring us back because God's work is in us is going to be done when we're over there. And that work was done with Jacob. Because Jacob had a, a, a master deceiver on his hand was Lapan. It's amazing how God has to take you away and takes you into that field and does that work in you before you come back. And you know something? The prodigal son had to go away because God was going to teach him a lesson onto that place when he went away from home. So that when we brought him back, guess what? The man was transformed and changed and God had dealt with his heart. Now sometimes I just say that. I remember listening to David Possum once and he was talking about the prodigal sons and daughters sitting in the pews. He says, at least the, at least the prodigal son knew that he couldn't sit. He wasn't going to sit there and be a hypocrite. He says, I'm off. I can't sit here and, and sit here and go through these rules and regulations. And what he said is, so he walked away. Rather than sitting in the pews and just acting, you know, going through the motions. But his heart wasn't right. So he took him away to deal with his heart. So when he brought him back, guess what? This, this young son came back totally and utterly transformed for the glory of God. But the work was done while he was away from home. And, um, and I want to tell you this, the church is full of probably prodigals. And I'm not saying this church, I'm just saying there's a lot of churches that I know people, although they go to church, I speak with my son sometimes and, and Ben mixing sometimes with other Christians and it's out there. And it's like, I don't want to mention any names, but I know people who maybe go to church sometimes even play in a, in a worship team. But I want to tell you this, their lives are anything but worship unto the Lord. Their lives are not actually as good as what they look at. They can look at the outside, but their heart is not where it should be. And God looks at the heart. He doesn't look at the external, does he? He looks at the heart, and that's what God is longing for, is people who are going to be worshippers, people whose hearts are in tune with him. And I believe that's what God is doing today. We're seeing a lot of prodigals out there, and I'm praying that God is going to bring them back but they're going to come back changed and transformed. And we need to be willing there to have open arms 
to welcome them, to actually to embrace them and, um, and, to, and, and to show them the love of God that we don't stand outside and we just stand out looking at them. But we need to go after the prodigals. We need to reach out to them. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's what we're all about on Wednesdays. Um, we're going to begin out into there. We're out into the highways and the byways, reaching out to the lost, showing them the love of God. Hallelujah. And I believe that's what God is calling us to do. We can learn a lot from this parable, but can I encourage all of us, we need to work hard on our relationships. And that could be the closest relationships to us, husbands and wife, with our children, but even as brothers and sisters. Amen. We need to work hard at relationships because it's so easy to actually become distant in a relationship. Relationships are fortified. When Thomas was sent to us as well, I missed Sunday once and he says, and then Monday my life, just, I feel as if, do you know what I mean? You know, I, I knew when I wasn't at church, I missed church. You know, I, I, do you remember those days? We, 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 would never, we would never miss a weekend. You know, you were scared to miss something because maybe something was going to happen and I wasn't going to be there. But there was such a desire for us to be at church. Where else would I be? Hallelujah. Can I encourage us again to find that place with the Lord? And you say, well, it's not all about being at church. But I want you to tell you this, when you can follow the love of the Lord, that's where you want to be. I want you to be in the presence of God. I want to be with my brothers and sisters. I want to be in this place. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't, I, what am I going to do? Sit in, sit in the house and watch television? Or, or, or be some other place if I could be at church? No, I want to be in the house of the Lord, worshiping the Lord and giving him praise and honor and being a blessing to my brothers and sisters. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Relationships are, 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 are powerful, guys. But relationships need to be worked on. We need to work hard on our relationships, one with another. But especially, can I say, husbands and wives, we need to really work hard on our relationships. And Linda's going to hold me um, to those words. I can see her sitting there as well, just taking note of them. But do you know something? Let us find again the relationships. Can I just say this? See, my kids, my kids love it when we are really close. That it just it breeds it breeds health to our children and to people around about us. See when you see a couple that's close and you know when a couple is close, that speaks volumes to other people, to those who are close to us. Relationships with our friends don't just they have to be worked at. And I'm just going to say this, maybe even as we sense where I, I wasn't planning to share that story going up to Inverary. I think I shared it this morning, I shared it tonight. We had to deliberately go back and find that place, but I'd lost that place. But I was determined to find it. I mean, surely I've got, I've got to find this place. I was on a mission. <laughs> but I'll tell you this, but I found it. You know, see when you're determined to find something, you'll find it. See if you've lost something in a relationship, you can find that again. It takes work, but you can find it. And see once you find it, it's precious. It's precious. And I want to say this just first of all, it's precious and we need to find that relationship with God first and foremost. When you find that relationship first and foremost with the Lord, I want to tell you this, then the rest of it can fall into place. That we go and we find these places again, special places that are special to us, but they're there waiting for us. God's there waiting for us. He wants to enter into those special places again of fellowship with us. Let us stay close to the Lord like never before, guys, especially in these days. But can I encourage us as well? Let's have a heart for the lost. Let's have a heart for those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. If we're going to take our Bible serious, listen, they're going to a lost eternity. They're lost. They're lost. And our job is to befriend them, to reach out to them, to win them over for Christ, to show them the love of God. You know, so often we have to show them the love of God. Glory to God. They should see Christ in us. 
Hallelujah. And as we begin to excel with that, I would guess we'll start to see a lot more people, hopefully, and winning them through the door. Just encouraging one last note again, and just in, in prayer, because I spoke last week on prayer, Daniel, and it's last Sunday night. And I got a text through the week. I don't know if I shared that. I shared it with some of them in the morning. And there was this woman, and she says, her name's Susan. And she says, I'm just checking, is, is this still the same number? And then and I looked back at the text, and she'd, she was asking about this church. And she says, listen, I would like to come to the church. Somebody gave me a leaflet uh, out in the town. I don't even think it was me. And she says, uh, and she says I, I, I'm, just to let you know, I'm still interested. That was two years ago. That was in 2021. I went, that was 2021. I was trying to think if it was just recently. And the fact is, she is still thinking about that because see, in the morning prayer meetings, we pray that God will water the seed, that God, all the times we've been out in the streets and carrying crosses or, or reaching out with a megaphone, shouting our mouths off, handing leaflets out to people. Well, guess what? That woman still held that leaflet and she texted me just the other day there and she says, is this still the number of this for yourself and for the church? And I was able to say, yep. I says, please feel free to visit us anytime or if you need to phone and ask us anything, it'd be a privilege to talk to you. But I was encouraged by that. Do you know why? Because she still hanged on to that leaflet and that leaflet had spoken to her and she was still thinking of coming to church. Do you know something? It was a leaflet that brought me into Living Waters Christian Centre. I think it was Grant Ferguson. Remember Grant? Andrea and that poor soul was standing in the middle of Paisley Town and Paisley Town one day himself against the wall just up for buttons and me and a crowd of cronies Big George and we were all high in the hash midday heading from one pub to another pub and here's this man just standing there handing out leaflets I didn't even take the leaflet I took it off somebody else that was going to that took one and was going to throw it away and I took it off him and guess what I looked at that leaflet and something touched my heart I thought I gotta go along and see what all this business is about and that's when we were out the east end wasn't it Killingside Road and the wee gospel hall there I still remember it remember walking in and thinking this is a bit weird you know guitars and people kind of dancing and waving hands in the air and all that and I'm thinking you know it was a Catholic background bless me father for I have sinned you know, and you walk in the door and put a wee dash of wee drop of water in your head and get and sit down. It's all kneeling and standing and, you know, gongs and bells. And I thought, this is a bit different. The happy clappers, as they were known as. I'm spitting here, the happy spitters here. But you know something? There was something in that meeting. I don't know what it was. But there was still something in there that I just said, there's something here. Amen. And then when Ben Pitou started speaking, I thought, that guy's talking to me. Four years plus after that, eventually he got his man. But I resisted that because I was too young to be a Christian and I still wasn't at the rock bottom of my life. Listen, God is still very much interested in these people out here. Can I encourage us? We're going to be going out on Wednesday. If you're free on Wednesday, please come along. We're going to be handing out a lot of leaflets. We'll get another 2,000 invitations, little cards for the Christmas um, special. And, um, and we just have to put them back out again through the doors. You know, sometimes you just think, we're wasting your time. You ever get the wee voices when you're walking around the streets? We did this last year. Do you remember it for those that helped us? 2,000 of them. We still remember that, Katie. <laughs> you know, some of us was out there, Craig and that, others. You know, I can't remember all the faces that were out there. We were walking around up in Johnson Castle. And I'm going like, it, was, it started raining one time. I went, this is a... Here we go again. Do you know the number of times I've leafleted this neighborhood? I remember one time in the very early days, Lee, remember Lee was married to Laura? I remember running around the streets with a flag one time. 
the crazy things you do. I don't know, it was like raising awareness. And, um, and it was a special run for the Lord. And there were, I think it was wee scripture signs and things. And people must be looking at us, look at these crazy people here. And it's like, you know. And all that time I've been laboring, 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 laboring. Can I just finish with this, guys? Seeing Saturday, there was something special on Saturday. I said to Linda, there was something special on Saturday. I felt there was a, a kind of connection with the community. People come in here and they were just sitting in here. I don't know. There was just something different about Saturday, I felt. Something different. And these people that come in, I don't know. I really feel as if we're going to have a full house this Christmas. Amen. And we'll have a baby in the manger as well. <laughs> Let's just finish with a word of prayer. Uh, Father, we've got so much to learn and we thank you, Father, for the parables. They're, they're living truths, Lord God, they're living words. And I just pray, Lord, that you will help us all. We, we don't want to be the elder brother, Lord. Father, we don't want to be the Pharisees looking down our noses, Lord God. It's calling people the tax collectors and sinners, Lord. Lord, they're precious souls that need to be saved. They're lost sheep. Father, they need to hear the good news. They need to see the love of God. Can I pray, Father, you will instill within all of us that we can find that special place again with you first and foremost. And then, Lord God, Father, as we go out, Lord God, Father, Lord, that they will see the love of God shining through us, Lord. That, Lord, that they will, Lord God, Father, be touched, Lord God, Father, with the same love that you touched us with. So we just commit all the prodigals before you tonight, Lord, for those who once walked with us and once were with us. Lord, not just this church, for many churches, for we know the church has been depleted. We know many have turned their backs, Lord God, and caught up in the world, my own children included. Oh, Father, we stand in the gap and we pray for them tonight. We pray for the prodigals, Father. We pray, Lord God, that mercy might be extended to them. We pray tonight, Lord God, you'll bring them to their senses. We pray, Lord God, that, Father, they will, Lord God, Father, be cut to their hearts. They will remember, Lord God, Father, their father's house. Lord, Lord that they will get sick of this world, Lord God, and the emptiness that this world offers. And Lord God, they'll begin to pine for home. Lord, this is our prayer. And again, water all the seeds that's been sown. Touch the hearts of those, Lord God, that have been coming in over the last couple of weeks. They might not have come in this week, but Lord, they might come back in again next week. So we commit it all to you. Father, you're the God who saves. We're only the messengers. But Father, help us. Help us to be the children you've asked us to be. Help us to be the witnesses. Help us to be the people, Lord God, that you have called us to be, Father. In Jesus' glorious name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for watching. If you've been challenged today, then please drop a message so that we can help, support, and pray for you. And also, remember to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss the next message.